to you. As we stand, let's pray together. Lord, we pray that your word to us this morning would help us to give you the honour you deserve. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Do please sit down. A few years ago now, I went for a routine trip to the opticians, and I left with glasses, but also completely in denial, because I was convinced that my eyesight was perfect, some terrible conspiracy had been at play, some terrible mistake had been made, so much so, in fact, that at church, actually, a few weeks later, I was sat at the back, and I thought to myself, I don't need these glasses. I'll be able to see perfectly. So I thrust them off and looked, and funnily enough, uh, the opticians were right. It was more than a little bit blurry at the front of the church. And since then, this experience, as trivial as it was, has been a bit of a parable to me, because it reminds me of how easy it is to think I see things clearly, but actually how I see needs correction like weak-feeling eyesight needs glasses or lenses, just in case you think I'm still in denial. (laughs) Our passage in Malachi this morning is about the terrible treatment of God from a half-hearted people. And I think it would be easy for us to think, I'm not like this. This doesn't apply to me. Or, well, I'm not quite this bad But I think that is a mistake. And I think that these verses function a bit like a good pair of glasses that correct our skewed sense of reality, even when we don't want to admit it. And I think they reveal, if we're really honest, how we often feel about God. And that's our first point this morning, how we often feel about God. Now, at the time of Malachi, God's people had a begrudging attitude towards him. And you'll see in the passage that the evidence of that was the shoddy sacrifices that they were prepared to bring to the temple. But you'll notice that the priests are singled out for criticism. And that is because they are God's appointed leaders. And they had completely and utterly failed in the role they had to lead and guide the people. So let's read how. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Do follow along in uh, the Bibles uh, on page 801. Page 801. Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those who are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor? Says the Lord of hosts. So some sacrifices were for thanking or praising God, and and others were for sin. So the people would confess their sins over the offering of an animal, and it would die to symbolize God's removal of their sins and his forgiveness of them. And the law required that the people provide their very best for sacrifice, because that is what God deserves. 
But here what's being offered is polluted food, sick, lame, diseased animals. Skip on to verse 14. And we see that people actually promise God their best, but, but when it comes to it, when the moment comes, they try to cheat God. They try to give him their very worst. In fact, isn't it the very worst imaginable? God asks, would they treat their parents that way? Or their boss? What about the, the governor, the equivalent of the prime minister or the queen paying them a visit? Would they give the same to them? No. And God says, verse 6, that they have despised his name. God's name is his character, his purpose, his presence, who he is, what he's shown about himself. And what the people were offering showed what they really thought about God, what they really thought about who he is. So verse 9 continues. And now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. God was literally present in the temple. That is how he was with his people. And he's saying he'd rather they stay away than come to him with such reluctant hearts. He'd rather they go, go away from him than misuse the very means that he'd put in place for, for them to be with him in his presence. God loved his people. That's how we began this little book last week. It's how Malachi begins. What he wanted from them in response to his love was the honor that he deserved. And that is what he wants from us. As Christians, we're saved by Jesus' sacrifice for us on the cross. We're saved by that alone. We are not saved by anything that we do. But the Christ who saved us calls us to follow him to present our bodies and our souls, all that we have, as living sacrifices to him. That means giving him honor, calling him Lord, making him the number one in our lives, and serving him with all that we have, with all of our hearts. And that is the very least that he deserves for all he's done for us. But deep down, we feel like giving God our all is a burden. We think, oh, life is, life is hard. It's tough at the minute. I just need to keep my head down. Just need to keep going. Life is hard for the people at the time of Malachi too. They were experiencing drought. Decent food would have been hard to come by. The new temple was far less impressive than the original. God's people felt weak insignificant, small. Maybe the priests, these leaders, just felt, what's the point? What's the point of all of this? In the midst of our hard times, when we feel weak, when we struggle, isn't there the danger that we offer God far, far less than he deserves? Or 
Maybe we just think giving God our all is a chore. Life is too busy. We have too many responsibilities at work. We've got too much on with friends and family. Oh, we know that God is number one, but we often struggle to think about him at all. However things, good as they may be, occupy our hearts. When we do all that we need to do, God just ends up getting squeezed in rather than prioritized. We know that honoring him means that we need to love and care for one another, but it's just so costly. We just do tiny bits here and there. Surely that will do. We know honoring him means we're supposed to uh, support Christian ministry. But surely if we just try and prioritize coming to church and being around a bit, that'll be enough. What about your bank account? Does that speak of a sacrificial life? Or your social life? Or how you use your home? What about your prayer life? Do you pray self Sacrificial prayers or self-serving prayers. Maybe we find ourselves more excited about the start of the football season or the latest Netflix series than we are about God. What about us as a church? Are we a sacrificial church? There are many great examples among us aren't there of offering God our best of offering God all that we have praise God for that so we should not feel guilty when before God we know that we're offering him all that we can but God's word here is designed to correct our view it is designed to correct our vision of ourselves to show us areas of life when we're offering God far far less than our best second rate sacrifices Second-rate sacrifices that look good but have no substance. Sacrifices that cost us absolutely nothing. You see, living sacrificially means more than being in favor of the idea. Most of us will be in favor of the idea. But it means being intentionally sacrificial. Despite it being costly. And despite it being all-encompassing. Because God does not want your money or your time, or your gifts. He wants your money, and your time, and your gifts. And if we are to have any hope of living such a sacrificial life in service to God, we need good Bible teaching, and we need good examples as we remind and encourage each other that this is what God has called us to. But at the time of Malachi, the priests had failed in this too. So pick up reading the verses again, this time chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 8. But you have turned aside from the way. You've caused many to stumble by your instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says the Lord of hosts, and so I make you despised and abased before all the people, inasmuch as you do not keep my ways, but show partiality in your instruction. Do we see this today? What effect will it have? A friend's church leader started strongly in the Christian ministry, but his ministry eventually became tired. It became lethargic. Eventually, he stopped proclaiming the truth. Eventually, he stopped living the truth out. And the whole church stumbled headfirst, without knowing it, into a lukewarm 
warm faith. All because their leader failed to model offering God his all. And chapters 1 to 3 of chapter 2, verses 1 to 3 of chapter 2, show us that God will not put up with this forever. And now, O priests, this command is for you. If you will not listen, if you will not take it to heart to give honour to my name, says the Lord of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you and I will curse your blessings. Indeed, I have already cursed them because you do not lay it to heart. Behold, I will rebuke your offspring and spread dung upon your faces, the dung of your offerings, and you shall be taken away with it. God says, if the priests do not take this warning to heart, they will be removed, they will be thrown out onto the dung pile. But God wants the priests, he wants all of the people to come back to him. And that is always what he wants from us. Oh, God knows how we often can feel about him. But in love, he shows us what he wants us to do about it. And that's our second point, what God wants us to do about it. And the first thing is this, follow his commands and teach his truth. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 4, God is addressing the priests again. So shall you know that I have sent this command to you, that my covenant of Levi might stand, says the Lord of hosts. My covenant with him was one of life and peace, and I gave them to him. It was a covenant of fear, and he feared me. He stood in awe of my name. True instruction was found in his mouth, and no wrong was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should guard knowledge, and people should seek instruction from his mouth, for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The Levites were the tribe that God had chosen to lead in the temple. And God says that the priests at the time of Malachi needed to look back to the example of Levi, maybe to the example of some descendants from him. Levi feared God. He was in awe of God. C.S. Lewis famously put it, God isn't very safe but he's good and he's the king. Fearing a good God means living and proclaiming what he says is right, what he says is best, because that is what honouring a king looks like. Of course, some of us have a very specific responsibility to do this, but in one way or another, we all share in this task. And God says that it really matters. Good examples help people, bad examples hinder them. So the question then is, what kind of example do you want to be? Because we all need to walk the walk as well as talk the talk. And if we do, we'll help model, challenge, and encourage each other to give God our very best, even when we don't feel like it, even when it's hard. Which leads us on to the most important, the primary thing that God asks of us, to accept his saviour. Because you see, often how we feel about God, it's not going to go away. 
by the power of the Spirit, we will make progress, but we will feel like sacrificing things for God is a burden, and we will be tempted to offer him our second best. And that is why Jesus came. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 22 say this. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are no longer told to stay away from God because of disobedient priests, but because we feel to give God all that we should or could. Even if we somehow manage to give God our all, all the time, it would never be enough. It could never be enough. And that is why in grace, the perfect sacrifice came in Jesus Christ for undeserved sinners like you and like me. And the door to Jesus Christ is wide open. And we are told here to draw near. And we are told to stay near. Because we have been given by the final, once for all sacrifice for sin, Jesus Christ himself. He is the great high priest who represents us before God and says the sacrifice for sin in me has been paid. That is a priest who will never let us down. So Malachi chapter 1 verse 11, from the rising of the sun to its setting, God's name is great among the nations. The great King Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done is known throughout the whole world. If you're a Christian with us this morning, if you're, sorry, if you're with us this morning and you're not yet a Christian, you're very welcome. It's great to have you with us. But you need to know that it doesn't matter whether you're a nice person. I'm sure you are a very nice person, but it doesn't matter if you're dishonoring the king, the king who has given you everything. Your position is unsustainable and God will not let you ignore him forever. The door into God's presence is wide open for you today in Jesus Christ. But you need to choose to walk in. So let's all of us make Jesus number one. And let's all of us keep him there. Because only when we do that will we be able to give God anything close to our very best. And only when we do that will we increasingly feel that we want to. Let's pray. Lord God, your son Jesus Christ looked at us, rebels and strangers before you, and he sacrificed all that he had for us. It cost us nothing. It cost him everything. But so often in response, we offer you very far from our best. Sometimes we offer you our worst. 
even when you deserve all that we have. Father, help us give you the honor that you deserve. And in love, follow the Savior you sent. In his precious name we pray. Amen.